Namo Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimadhe Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Mancha Kalpaturubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Hey Krishna Karana Sindhu Dinavandu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Brindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamhami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Ganadhar Shiva Sadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <coughs> This evening we are reading from Bhagavad Gita as it is translation and purports by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada and we are broadcasting from Singhachala, Germany, on what's today? 11th of May, 10th of May, 11th, in the year 2023, according to our modern calendar. And we're reading from the 15th chapter, the beginning, beginning verse. Um, let's invoke uh, Lord Vasudeva first. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So chapter 15, the yoga of the Supreme Person, Purushottama Yoga. And uh, this is verse number one. 
ಶ್ರೀ ಭಗವಾನುವಾಚ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಮೂಲಂ ಅದಾಕಂ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಮೂಲಂ ಅದಾಕಂ ಅಶ್ವತ್ಥಾಹುರ್ಯಂಗಸಿ ಶ್ರೀಭಗವಾಶಾಕಶ್ವತ್ಥಾಹುರ್ಯ ಛಂದಂಸಿ ಯಸ್ಯಪರ್ಣೀಭಗವಾಚೀಂ ಪರ್ಸನಾಲಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಸೆಡ್ ಊರ್ಧ್ವಮೂಲ with roots above adha downward shakam branches ashvatham abanyan tree prahu is said avyayam eternal chandangsi the vedic hymns yasya of which parnani the leaves yaha anyone anyone who tam that veda knows saha hi vedavit the knower of the vedas translation and purport by its divine grace shila prabhat <clears throat> translation the supreme personality of god had said it is said that there is an imperishable banyan tree that has its roots upward and its branches down and whose leaves are the vedic hymns one who knows this tree is the knower of the veda uh, one thing strikes me as i just read the translation is we have shri bhagavan uvacha so the lord is saying you know this is how it is 
But what is he saying? He's saying, it is said. <laughs> who says? It is said. <laughs> pra who? <clears throat> so uh, these are both forms of the same verb, vach, uvacha. Um, from vach we get uvacha for the singular past. And then uh, prahu, prahus, um, is, I believe it's literally they say. I think it's third person. Um, but with pra, it's emphasis. It's firmly said. It's, it, there's no doubt. <laughs> and, uh, that's all from vach. We have a prayer to Nursingadev. Vagisha yasya varane lakshmim yasya chavakshasi yasya stevridaye samvit tam nursingamaham vajay. Vagisha, vag isha, the Lord of vach. The Lord of, um, can be either the goddess speech or speech. The the, the Lord of Speech, or the Lord of the Goddess of Speech. <laughs> so, okay. The Supreme Personality of God had said, it is said, that there is an imperishable bunyan tree. What's the word for bunyan tree? Ashvata, yeah. Um, I always remember this one. There's... Lots of banyan trees in Hong Kong. Um, but there's uh, one famous banyan tree in Chennai, South Chennai, um, in the land of the uh, Theosophical Society, the Adyar Library. They have a big open space land. And on that land, there's one area... Um, I think they say it's more than one acre of land. And um, they fence, they've fenced it off so that there's no damage. But there's a one bunyan tree, and it, it covers this huge area. And it has, you know, roots going down and up and down and up, so you can't really tell. Where is the beginning and where is the end of this tree? Which is a point that will come, I think it's in uh, verse 3. Okay. Roots upward, urdvamulam, branches downward, adashakam. Um, and it's imperishable, avyaya. So these, there's three... Um, we can say adjectives. Um, so the noun is ashvatam. There's a tree. What kind of a tree? Ashvata tree. Um, and what kind of an ashvata tree? One with urdvamula, with <laughs> with roots going up uh, and with branches going down. And it is avyayam. It is perpetual. Moreover, chandang si yasya parnani, of, of which yasya is 
possessive uh, correlative, uh, there, uh, of which there are parnani, which means leaves, parna, parnani. What sort of leaves? Chandangsi, <laughs> leaves which are hymns, uh, hymn leaves. And then, uh, yaha tam veda, saha veda vid. Uh, you could add, it's sort of implied, uh, the verb asti, is. So one, uh, and tam, so it's ashvatam, and then uh, this uh, pronoun tam has the same ending. That's kind of a hint that it's going to refer to ashvatam. So that ashvata tree, uh, yaha, Tam, one who knows that, uh, yes, Tam Veda, one who knows that, Saha, that person, Veda, Vit Asti, that person is a knower of Veda. That's all. It's quite simple and straightforward. Uh, all right, purport. After the discussion of the importance of bhakti yoga, one may question, what about the Vedas? It's explained in this chapter that the purpose of Vedic study is to understand Krishna. Therefore, one who is in Krishna consciousness, who is engaged in devotional service, already knows the Vedas. Okay. In the second chapter, there's, uh, there's a verse, yam imam pushpitam vacham, Pravadantya vipaschita Vedavarata parta nanya astiti varina. Um, <laughs> Krishna's kind of making fun of those who are thinking that Vedas are everything. Vedavarata. Mm. Uh, and he's, uh, he's kind of, you know the word sneer, to sneer. He's kind of like, uh, he's kind of mm, minimizing the value of the Vedas because he says, yam imam pushpitam vacham. They're pushpita, they're fl flowery, flowered. <laughs> they sound really impressive, the the Vedas, uh, the the Rig Veda hymns. Some of them are really um, quite charming, and it's quite amazing poetry. And some of it is so amazing you can't understand what it's saying. <laughs> but it can be quite charming. Anyway, Krishna is saying, "Na anyat asti iti vadin." There are people who think that the Veda is everything. And here, 
Prabhupada's explaining that those who know, uh, who are Krishna conscious, they already know the Veda. <laughs> the entanglement of this material world is compared here to a banyan tree. For one who is engaged in fruit of activities, there is no end to the banyan tree. He wanders from one branch to another, to another, to another. The tree of this material world has no end, and for one who is attached to this tree, there is no possibility of liberation. The Vedic hymns meant for elevating oneself are called the leaves of this tree. Okay, so that's why Chandangsi, Yasya Parnani, uh, the hymns, the Chanda, Chandas. Mm. The hymns are referred to as Chandas, uh, and um, the word Chandas can also mean. Uh, Sanskrit uh, prosody, the study of um, the poetic meters in Sanskrit. It's, it's a whole universe in itself. <laughs> People study uh, about Sanskrit poetry, the different meters, Uh, there's seven main meters in the Veda, and then there's, uh, but there's a lot more than that. Some, I read, some, there's a catalog of 600 meters, and, you know, they elaborate in so many ways. Um, of course, in the, Bhagavad Gita, we mainly have um, the, uh, what is it called? We have Anushtup meter and one other. Anyone know what it is? One other type of meter. The next verse is going to be in a different, it's called Trishtup. Trishtup. Uh, another meter is Gayatri. Gayatri is a meter. Uh, specifically, it has, uh, well, it's similar to Anushtup. Anushtup has eight syllables per line, but it has four lines. Gayatri has eight syllables per line, and it has three lines. So if anyone asks you, <laughs> If you get caught somewhere and challenged, <laughs> you will know. <laughs> yeah, there's others. Chintamani prakarasatma sukapam riksha laksha briteshu surabhirabhipalayantam that's uh, Vasanta Tilaka, it's called. 
the ornament of spring. And uh, that's, I think, 14 syllables in a line. But it's not just numbers of syllables in a line, it's also uh, relations of short and long. So, what is it called? Lagu and Guru, uh, Rasva, Dirga. Um, the other one that's a lot of fun is Shardula Vikridita. Uh, which literally means the prancing of a tiger. Shardula vikridita. So, Pishnot kirtanagananartana paro prema mritambonidi. Shardula vikridita. Dira dira jana priyo priyakaro nirmatsaro pujito. <clears throat> That's all chandas, but also the, the, the hymns are called chandas. As opposed to, um, or in contrast to, basha, and this is not bashar, this is basha. <laughs> basha means ordinary language, our da daily use of language, that is basha. So, Brajabhasha is just the language of Braj. Bengali Bhasha. <clears throat> and that's different not to be mixed up with Bhasya. Uh, Bhasya is a commentary, um, that's usually a Sanskrit commentary, um, on some... some uh, some text, any any sort of text commentary. So Prabhupada calls his bhāsya purports. Uh, right. So the uh, the Vedic. What are the what are the leaves of this Ashvata tree? The Vedic hymns. The Vedic hymns meant for elevating oneself are called the leaves of this tree. This tree's roots grow upward. Why? Because they begin from where Brahma is located, the topmost planet of this universe. If one can understand this indestructible tree of illusion, then one can get out of it. This process of extrication, means getting out of something, should be understood. In the previous chapters, it has been explained that there are many processes by which to get out of the material entanglement. And up to the 13th chapter, we have seen that devotional service to the Supreme Lord is the best way the best way. Now, the basic principle of devotional service is detachment from material activities and attachment to the transcendental service of the Lord. 
What's the basic principle of devotional service? <laughs> You're giving a purport to what Prabhupada said. <laughs> yes. The basic principle of devotional service is detachment from material activities and attachment to the transcendental service of the Lord. The process of breaking attachment to the material world is discussed in the beginning of this chapter. The root of this material existence grows upward. This means that it begins from the total material substance from the topmost planet of the universe. From there, the whole universe is expanded with so many branches representing the various planetary systems. The fruits represent the results of the living entity's activities, namely religion, economic development, sense gratification, liberation. Prabhupada is getting a little bit ahead here because that's going to be explained in uh, further um, verses, although I don't think it explicitly mentions fruit, but it does mention karma. Okay. Now, there is no ready experience in this world of a tree situated with its branches down and its roots upward. But there is such a thing. That tree can be found beside a reservoir of water. We can see that the trees on the bank reflect upon the water with their branches down and roots up. In other words, the tree of this material world is only a reflection of the real tree of the spiritual world. This reflection of the spiritual world is situated on desire. Just as a tree's reflection is situated on water. Desire is the cause of things being situated in this reflected material light. One who wants to get out of this material existence must know this tree thoroughly through analytical study. Then he can cut off his relationship with it. Now, at this point, before I finish the purport, I'm going to wonder aloud, and maybe you can help me out. In the verse, one of the features of the Ashvata being described is that it is avyaya. But the tree being described is the reflection. 
And we just read, the reflection is temporary. Is that a contradiction or? Yes, Bjorn. <laughs> yes. Okay. It seems that Krishna is sort of blending two things together in this verse. Yes, there's the eternal tree, um, and there's the reflection, and he seems to be talking about both in one, so to say. Hmm. Another thing one might say, well, well, what's the problem? This um, reflect, it's just a reflection. So number one, all I have to know is that it's a reflection. And then that's enough. And then I can be free because I know it's not the real one. But Prabhupada is saying we have to um, know this tree thoroughly. It's like we have to study this tree. But it's going to say in uh, verse 3 that we should chop it down <laughs> with the weapon of detachment. Interesting. Okay, this tree, being the reflection of the real tree, is an exact replica. You know the word replica? No? Hmm? No. It's like an exact copy. It's like a facsimile, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This tree, being the reflection of the real tree, is an exact replica. Everything is there in the spiritual world. The impersonalists take Brahman to be the root of this material tree, and from the root, according to Sankhya philosophy, come Prakriti, Purusha, then the three gunas. Then the five gross elements, pancha maha bhuta. Then the ten senses, dashendriya, mind, etc. Prabhupada is a little bit blending here, Sankhya with uh, Vedanta, but okay. <clears throat> if Brahman is the center of all manifestations, then this material world is a manifestation of the center by 180 degrees. <laughs> and the other 180 degrees constitute the spiritual world. The material world is the perverted reflection, so the spiritual world must have the same variegatedness, but in reality. The Prakriti is the external energy of the Supreme Lord, 
and the Purusha is the Supreme Lord himself. And that is explained in Bhagavad Gita. Since this manifestation is material, it is temporary. A reflection is temporary, for it is sometimes seen and sometimes not seen, but the origin from whence the reflection is reflected is eternal. It sounds a bit Platonic, doesn't it? <laughs> Plato, Platon, had this idea of uh, the um, original forms. There are there are forms in some absolute world, and these are reflected, diffused. Um, whatever we experience in this world. But the original forms are elsewhere. The material reflection of the real tree has to be cut off. When it is said that a person knows the Vedas, it is assumed that he knows how to cut off attachment to this material world. Okay. If one knows that process, he actually knows the Vedas. One who is attracted by the ritualistic formulas of the Vedas is attracted by the beautiful green leaves of the tree. <laughs> he does not exactly know the purpose of the Vedas. The purpose of the Vedas, as disclosed by the personality of Godhead himself, is to cut down this reflected tree and attain the real tree of the spiritual world. And so ends Prophet's purport in this verse. When there's a longer purport like this, I'm tempted to end there and say, so are there any questions? <laughs> any comments? Hmm. Yes. Maybe uh, wait until we get the microphone. Yes. Okay, thank you. Mm. Uh, I would like to make a short comment about the Theosophical Society in Chennai. Oh. The time I was there uh, in Madras. You've been there. Uh, I was uh, myself a three, uh, for three years a uh, member of that Theosophical Society between oh, yeah. the year 1969 and 1972. Ah. Uh, well, <laughs> so I would like to add uh, something. The banyan tree, uh, yes, and uh, also the, the park, actually the old park has a very strong, I will dare to use the word more than the word energy, there is a strong magnetism in that place, mm. and for a good reason is that uh, Blavatsky at the time in 1975, 18, when it has been founded, they chose that uh, specific place. Uh, in 1975, because uh, some people can see through the astral plane, actually, it was a strong magnetism coming from uh -huh. the ground, from, from that place. Mm. So it was, it, and it is a very powerful uh, place, definitively. Last time I was there is only three, four years ago. But, uh, <laughs> I just come back also three months ago from India. And, uh -huh. and uh, uh, so uh, uh, Krishnamurti actually was very well known until the, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, they won't put uh, that man as a guru of the place, and uh, and uh, but they le he left uh, the Theosophical Society. Yes, uh, no. he was only 19 years old, 
uh, which was uh, actually, uh, unfortunately, a big blow for the Theosophical Society. Mm -hmm. That's uh, yeah, that is what I wanted to to, to add. Uh, but uh, myself, I, I also uh, practice meditation in that park because it's uh -huh. a spe special place with a young uh, Indian boy in that time, oh. uh, something like 10 years ago. Uh -huh. So, uh, but uh, the unfortunate thing to say, it is uh, in that uh, magnetism coming from the ground, it's uh, uh, not only good, but bad energies, I have to say. It, it is known also. It's mixed. It's oh. good and bad energies. <laughs> yeah. Not only good energies. <laughs> Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I'm sorry you. to add to my... No, no, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. But since you're mentioning that place, I also visited there uh, in 2017. Um, we did some filming there. Uh, we just filmed a couple of short scenes for this uh, documentary we made called uh, India's Book of Wisdom. It's about the Srimad Bhagavatam. You can find it on the uh, on YouTube. Just search India's Book of Wisdom and you'll find. And uh, yeah, we, we, we filmed a little bit there. But it, but it was a bit of touch and go because, you know, some... It wasn't exactly, we didn't have any formal permission <laughs> to film. <laughs> and sometimes in India, they're very nervous about that. <laughs> so we had to kind of, quick, okay, now do it <laughs> before anyone comes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, they have a nice library. The Adyar Library is quite famous. Indological library. Yes. Thank you very much for explaining. Uh, Guru Maharaj, I would like to ask you, may you could please say some words uh, to this topic and connected to the so-called like spiritual part of this tree we hear, but somehow it's for my, myself, not so clear what is this, or where is this, or how it exists, or what is this part of the spiritual tree of this aspect? Um, well, first I think we want to understand um, it's an, it, what's called an extended metaphor. So, in the 13th chapter, we got an extended metaphor of what is uh, the phenomenal world, to use fancy term, um, with a field, a kshetra. Hmm. Um, so many different aspects, elements, senses, the essentially body, but also uh, other features are there. And all of that is described as a kshetra, to contrast it with kshetra the knower of the field. And then, um, what is it? Kshetragya, Chapi Bhutani. There's uh, another knower of the field who knows all fields. So it's making these distinctions. There's the field, there's the knower of the field, and there's the super soul who knows all the fields. So it's all um, 
you know, after reading that, you're not supposed to go out, where is that field? Where is that field? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, it's an illustrate. it's a metaphor. Similarly, this is a metaphor. Uh, so we don't go, oh, now I'm liberated from the material tree. Now where's the spiritual tree? Um, I don't think that's exactly the point. Mm. The, the emphasis is on the entanglement. We get entangled in an illusion, uh, which is like being entangled. So it's like, it gives a, a, a something we're familiar with. We're familiar with trees. We might not be familiar with Ashvata trees, um, but in India, people know, in East and South Asia, so, otherwise, uh, what's the spiritual world like? Well, Lord Brahma says in Brahma Samhita, what is it? Shriya kanta kanta parama purusha kalpa dharamo drumabhumis chintamani ganamayitayam amritam kataganam natyam Gamanam apivamsi priyasaki chidanandam jyoti paramapit paramapitatta cha oh, paramana cha uh, like that and that's another meter by the way I don't know the name of it but it's it's the same one as uh, Jagannatha Swami. Nayana Patagami Bhavatume. It has four short syllables at the end. Uh, so that's describing the spiritual world too. Where there's Shriya uh, Kanta Kanta Parama Purusha Kalpa Taravo on the trees, of the trees. Um, they're, they're wish fulfilling trees. <laughs> Kalpa, Kalpa Vriksha, Kalpa Dharva. Nice, those trees we want. Uh, what is it? Pumi, uh, okay. Shriya Kanta, Kanta, Paramapurusha, Kalpa Dharva, Bhumis Chintamani. The Bhumi, the earth, the ground is Chintamani. Ganamayi. Uh, toyam amritam the toya, the water what is the water in the spiritual world it's amrita it's nectar nice <laughs> um, and then the whole um, the description of there are descriptions of Goloka, descriptions of Vaikuntha. But uh, I don't know of any description of the, the original tree from which this is the reflection. Maybe there is. There's a lot of description of Vrindavan's trees. Um, when we were in... Uh, in Govardhan, in uh, February, we had this nice retreat, and we 
we made a pilgrimage. Uh, we took a bus to Biharvan. And uh, there we met with Dina Bandhu Prabhu. And Dina Bandhu <laughs> spoke very nicely. I was speculating that he would speak about cows because where we went, one beautiful ashram of the Nimbarka uh, sadhus, Nimbarka Sampradaya. They have about 2,000 cows. They just let them wander in this forest. Very beautiful. I thought he would talk about the cows. He didn't talk about the cows. He talked about the trees. <laughs> and it was amazing how much he knows about Vrindavan's trees, different kinds of trees and when they blossom and what kind of blossoms and what kind of... And also birds. He was talking a lot of birds. And then uh, I asked him later, how is it you know all this? <laughs> and he said, well, when he was uh, living at Vrindakunda, um, when they were developing Vrindakunda in the early days, he was living there, I think, for a couple of years. And uh, he just got to know all of this about the trees and the birds and the nature. Hmm. Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur talks a lot about the trees in Vrindavan. <clears throat> yeah. Basha. Maharaj, one thing comes to my mind um, while comparing uh, the reflection of the tree, uh, the material world to the reflection of the tree, how much Prabhupada used to give analogies mm -hmm. describing the, uh, he's describing some spiritual truths and mm -hmm. with material analogies. So um, I ask myself the question when you said this, when you read from the purport the principle that to detach from the material something, I forgot, I'm paraphrasing now, and develop attachment to the devotional service. Mm -hmm. So Material activities, spiritual material. activities. Mm -hmm. So in our process, do we focus on both parallel, or do we try to simply develop taste for the spiritual aspects? Because a lot of times I hear descriptions from the spiritual world, about the spiritual world, how it looks like, the nature, and so on, but somehow it simply doesn't leave any impression, <laughs> Me <laughs> meaning it doesn't get it doesn't, doesn't stick stick to the brain. So, <laughs> could you say something? Hmm. Well, one thing we get from hearing about spiritual reality is that it's it's both similar to and different from what we experience. And that's kind of what the point Prabhupada is making in the, in the purport, part of what he's saying, is, um, and kind of that's the whole idea of the tree, uh, tree analogy, is um, 
So we, again, take the tree, we know about trees, and then take the, he extends the analogy by saying just like you look at a tree on the opposite bank of some lake and you'll see the reflection and it's upside down and so on. So we might imagine, imagine where you look across and for some reason you can't see the actual tree. All you see is the reflection. But uh, the reflection lets you know that there is a real tree there, and the reflection gives you some idea of what that tree would be like. It's instead of being <laughs> uh, like a reflection, it's something solid, something substantial. So, um, of course, we can say, well, at the end of the day, we don't have experience of that. We only have experience of what we have here. We have uh, the experience of the world through our senses, and all of this is limited, all of this is temporary, uh, and so it, it doesn't give us any doesn't really doesn't really give us access to uh, the spiritual. Well, we're we're aiming to understand that uh, there is a process by which the senses, um, our present senses, can actually become purified so that we can actually experience with the senses. Atashrikrishnamadi nabhavit grahyam indriyahi sevanmukehi jihvado svayameva spurati adha. And beginning with the tongue. So it, the verse says, uh, we cannot grasp uh, with our senses. And then it turns around and says, beginning with the jiva, the tongue. By sort of turning our attention. Uh, attending to seva, to service. Then, svayam um, eva spurati. Spurati means um, uh, becomes manifest, becomes directly experienced. I think it means like that. And therefore, we want to um, sort of um, suspend our disbelief where we think, no, everything around, it's just material. That's our, that's our disbelief. We want to try to suspend that and say, well, what if it's actually spiritual 
<laughs> Could it be that it's spiritual? Could it be that actually everything I see, hear, taste, touch is, is Krishna? And what if I could allow, sort of, what if my senses could become innocent <laughs> instead of always being extensions of my desire, my motivations, and what whatnot. What if my senses could really just be instrument of Krishna's senses? And then I would see everything, experience everything as Krishna. But beginning with the tongue. <laughs> Does that make sense? Uh, yes, I think, I think you're first. No? <laughs> what is your name? I'm Brian. Brian. Hare Krishna. Um, here in uh, the part of the purport, uh, Prabhupada says, one who wants to get out of this material existence must know this tree thoroughly yeah. through analytical study. Yeah. So I was... Um, so if the tree represents somehow our entanglement in the material world caused by our desire, so I'm wondering what Prabhupada is, is meaning here. So does that mean that we should try to get the knowledge of how we are entangled or, or more like realize deeply that it is only a perverted reflection of the variegatedness yeah. of the spiritual world or there is other meaning? Or? No, it's a very good question and I was kind of thinking that as I was reading it. It seems you could take it both ways. Um, in one sense, it's like a hopeless case. The, the whole point of the analogy is um, that it's such a um, material world is, is, is such an entangling place that you never are going to figure out <laughs> how, how you're entangled. You're never going to get there. As soon as you think you've figured out one thing, you know, uh, there'll be something else there to <laughs> catch you. Um, it could be when Prabhupada is speaking about analysis, he's, he's taking uh, the notion of Sankhya. Because the Bhagavad Gita, there's a lot of Sankhya in the Bhagavad Gita. And Sankhya, one way to understand it, it means analysis. And what's the analysis? Essentially, it's an analyzing to understand the difference between the body and the self um, by analyzing different elements of the not-self, analyzing the constituents. Um, that's basically what Sankhya is. The three modes of nature. Um, Krishna is, talks quite a lot about the modes of nature. That's all Sankhya. So one could take it that to analyze the material world means study um, these aspects of Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> And also at the end, 
of chapter 18. It's one of those many verses I always wanted to learn and never did. Um, Krishna says, studying this, Bhagavad Gita, is using your intelligence. Yes, adyeshate chaye imang dharmyang samvadam avayohu jnana yagyena tenaham ishtasyam iti mati. And I declare that he who studies this sacred conversation of ours worships me by his intelligence. Prabhupada translates that way. The word, the key is jnana yagyena by the yagya of jnana. Uh, and here jnana can mean, means knowledge, but it can also be taken as, you know, analysis, study, sort of. Ishtasyamiti. Me mati. Krishna's being humble. He says, this is my opinion. <laughs> this is my opinion. <laughs> Yes, I know, I'm, I'm the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but I also have an opinion. <laughs> so that may be one, under, one way to understand it, but as, you, as you're pointing out, uh, the, the whole thing here is to say, this is endlessly entangling, and the solution is going to be given in verse number three, Asanga Shastrena Dridhena Chitva. Just cut through it. Don't try to figure it out. Just uh, take a take a leap of faith <laughs> and let it let it go. Let it go. Does that make sense? Uh, short comment to Bashar's question yeah. and your explanation. Yeah, I had once experience with some interreligious dialogue person who came here to visit the temple. Yeah, and he's from a Christian background, uh -huh. Evangelic, and he was standing in front of of the altar. Uh. And <laughs> me, of a short while, he looked and he became very grave. And we turned out. I thought that he's somehow disturbed by, you know, seeing this thing, you know, could be whatever goes <laughs> in his mind. But, and then he said to me, it was like looking in the living room of God. <laughs> and this was for me, like, as you said, like, if we can, you know, with, or as I understood it, if we could turn out our reasoning and just with innocent senses. Yeah. Like this person, he didn't know what, what to expect, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. But he had somehow this revelation, what was for me like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's so what really like, as Prabhupada says, an altar or a picture. Yeah. It's like show windows. A window. Spiritual world. Yeah. So this was one thing when I think if, if spirit wants to reveal, then he can do it to a worthy person yeah, yeah. or whatever. Even... Even to a Protestant Christian, because <laughs> yeah. usually the Protestants are the most, uh, they tend to be quite iconoclastic. 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you. Good. Okay. Um, anything else? Ladies? Well, I had, I mean, I, oh. I had a question attached. Sure. So, so, oh, okay. Else, but I'm not sure if we have still, if somebody else has Go a ahead. question. Uh, there was in the morning, we, uh, we had a small discussion about uh, the Vedas, and as also described here in the, in, in the verse, the, uh, the, the flowery words of the Vedas, so we mm. touched this topic. So uh, one person actually in the, in the Bhagavatam class of uh, Munid Nagan, one person in the chat asked uh, kind of why is it that in the Bhagavatam, you know, different things are explained, like you want to have this result, you worship this, this demigod, mm -hmm. you want to have this result, have this demigod, or in the end of each chapter, you have like a benediction, what seems like a material benediction. But in the beginning of Bhagavatam, it claims that it cuts everything material out of it. And yeah. then still such things come on the way. And we had some kind of discussion, maybe have an opinion about that. Awesome. Light. Well, one point we might consider is Shilvakti Nodakur's point about uh, the Bhagavatam being all-purpose in the sense, he says, um, it brings together all essentials for everyone. And um, he spoke quite... Uh, with a kind of flourish, or he wrote in this one essay that you, if you have the Bhagavatam, you don't need anything else. Um, he says, you could, all the other Vedic literature, it could be just burned, like he, he compared it to uh, the library of Alexandria. It was burned. <laughs> so, um, and his point is that all of all, whatever is essential, whatever ever is actually valuable, uh, is there in the Bhagavatam, including we can say some uh, some some attractions for persons with some material uh, aspirations. Because um, it will say, yes, you can have this and this and this if you do this and that. But then it always comes to the conclusion, but if you want, you know, the real perfection of life, then um, it is to hear and chant and remember the Lord and so on isn't it so it's it's within a context the palashrutis are there the ends of stories telling some fruit you get okay this will you'll be motivated it's a bit like giving um the analogy of uh inducing a child to take medicine by giving them some can or sugar coating right the medicine so some of that is there also in the bhagavatam yeah
ask something to the discussion. Uh-huh. I was reading uh, Six Canto mm-hmm. a few days ago, and actually also uh, according to this explanation of uh, karma kanda activity or worship demigods, sometimes Shukadeva Goswami is testing Maharaj yeah. Parikshit. Yeah. And yeah, usually this is also possible. Yes, in the beginning of Canto 6, right, <clears throat> when he's talking about um, uh, this, the bathing of the elephant. Yeah. Yeah, he's testing and then, and the king passes the test <laughs> because he understands, no, this can't be the answer. <laughs> This can't be how to, because the issue, the problem was from the end of Canto Five, the description of the hellish planets. How to, how can people avoid that? He says, well, yeah, they can do austerities, they can do penances, people can do lots of things, they'll be purified. Parikshit Maharaj says, ah. <laughs> Not enough. Um, and then he says, what is the famous verse? Uh, hmm. Anyway, the, the, by practicing bhakti yoga, then hmm, all of this is dispelled like fog is dispelled by the sun. Nihara Iva Bhaskara. Yeah, I don't remember the beginning of the verse. Yeah, testing. Good point. Yes, Akila Prabhu. Microphone. Mike, Mike. You, when you talked about the <clears throat> term jump of faith, I was thinking, well, we know how right the situation is in Krishna consciousness, and we try to practice it, but still we are not really surrendered. So how, can, how could we practice this leap of faith that brings us forward over overcoming these doubts that are still there, although we know it's right. I know it's right, but I can't do it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, as Prabhupada would so many times say, it's a gradual process. Um, be interesting to do a little Veda-based search. How many times... Prabhupada uses the word gradual and gradually. And then we wonder, okay, how gradual? <laughs> how slow? How fast? I want it to go faster. Uh, and there's, there's no specific... Prabhupada would say sometimes, you can become fully Krishna conscious in one second. Okay. 
so your question is how to keep going even though we're not getting that? Or how to make that leap? How to make the leap? Well, uh, practice little leaps. <laughs> little leaps of faith. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's good that we do things uh, a little out of the ordinary, out of our usual, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, our comfort zone. To step outside our comfort zone. Take up little challenges that come our way. I think we, if we're a little awake to it, we can appreciate, oh, Krishna's giving me an opportunity here to take a, a step outside my comfort zone. Okay, maybe I should do it. And then each time we do that, that brings that brings some reassurance, some uh, some some new impetus, and uh, it prepares us. We can take bigger leaps because one day we're going to have to take one really big leap, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Little leaps, huh? jumping, leaps, jumps, yeah. Right, okay, let's take a leap back home, back to Godhead. <laughs> a leap of faith. What do we have to lose? Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, was... Uh, famously uh, making Pascal's wager, which was that it's more reasonable to bet, if you're going to gamble, <laughs> about whether or not God exists, then you're in better position if you gamble that God does exist than if he does not exist. Because if you gamble that he does exist, and then it turns out that he does not exist, you haven't actually lost anything. But if you gamble that he does not exist, and it turns out that he does exist, then you're in big trouble. <laughs> then you're really the loser. <laughs> yeah, so let's chant Hare Krishna. We will not be the loser. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Thank you all very much. Srila Prabhupada ki. Grantara Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai, Gaur Premanande.